no my hearty my hotaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. I'm Wallace Chapman. Good to be with you. Happy Friday. Local communities object to alcohol being sold in their neighbourhoods. They'll have a greater say. And that's just after four. Former President Donald J. Trump fingerprinted and photographed like any other accused of state crimes. Inmate number P O one one three five eight O nine. Have you seen the mugshot? We discussed that. Also on the pound today, do you get emails or texts from your boss outside of work hours? Would you support a ban? It's a big issue in Australia right now. Also today, many Kiwis cannot donate blood because they lived in the UK during the mad cow disease epidemic. There are calls for that to change. And if an art gallery said, hand over your phone at the door so you can reconnect with the art, would you? A great initiative or just virtue signalling? With me today on Friday, well, every so often we open uh, the panel to a guest who has always wanted to be on the show. Andy McCombs is a long-time listener in his 20s, studied design at Vic, and for the first time is in the hot seat in Wellington. Andy, kia ora. Good to have you on the panel. Kia ora, Wallace. Yeah, no, it's great to be here. Beautiful day in the capital city. Oh. Um, Catherine Ryan's seat, apparently. I found a couple of her hairs lying around. So it's, it's nice. How do you feel about being on the hot seat, Andy? A little bit nerve-wracking, but I've got all my thoughts written down, so I'll just keep reading this script that I've, that I've prepared. And what's it like sitting in the very, very seat that Catherine Ryan sits in? Oh, it's a real honour. <laughs> hey, what, something about you. I understand... Your great-grandmother was an MP. Yeah, the, um, you've got a good research team there. Um, um, she was the first female MP, um, won the, the Littleton seat in a by-election when her husband died, who was also an MP. Um, so, yeah, I'm technically a Nepo baby, I think, I think that's called. <laughs> this is Elizabeth McCombs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was revisiting her um, maiden speech the other day, and uh, not a lot's changed since... Um, 1933, so, yeah, we've, we've amazing. not really come very far, but... Well, that's right, Elizabeth McCombs, yeah, the first female Member of Parliament, um, won a by-election in the Littleton seat. Hey, Andy, nice to have you on the program, kia ora. And with cheers. us this afternoon, we have freelance journalist Sally Winley. It's always a pleasure, Sally. Kia ora, good afternoon, Wallace, and welcome, Andy. Welcome to, to the panel, to the panel tribe. <laughs> Kapai. Yeah. All right. Now let's jump into the Friday mailbag. Shall we go to this first? After school jobs. And this, this, this was lovely. We perhaps got more feedback about this than anything else. Here's one. Blair says, I had a part-time job at Mitre 10 in Johnsonville in the late 80s, early 90s. I was 17 years old and knew absolutely nothing about any aspect of hardware. <laughs> Experienced plumbers and builders would come into the store and ask me for advice, and it was terrifying. I spent most of my Saturdays hiding behind the power tools. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another one here. A weekend job while at high school, sweet pea pod picking on the outskirts of Gisborne. We'd wear our bikinis under our clothes when in amongst the vines. We'd strip off and get tanned. Hot, hard work. But we worked in pairs. 
and it was fun. Another one here. Uh, after school, I worked for a pharmacy cleaning medicine bottles. I also delivered prescriptions, mostly to elderly customers, and I got very good at knocking on doors because many were hard of hearing. Oh, I earned patience as well, says Robert. Um, what about your after-school job? Sally, can you recall the after-school job you had? Well, I had holiday jobs because I went to boarding school. Oh, yeah. And the holiday job was around the farm. And uh, the most fun job was when it was docking. And you'd have to hold the lambs up and they'd put rings on their tails and on their balls and um, spray some drench over them. And as a youngster, running around the paddocks trying to herd all the sheep, and we had a scrim to get the ewes and the lambs all together and go into the race. And it was always the most tense moment and the farmers would be shouting, the dogs would be barking. And then as usual, being the youngster, I'd trip over and the scrim would fall over and the lambs and the ewes would go running over it and back out into the paddock and they'd have to start again <laughs> oh my goodness um, what about you Wendy can you record an after school job um, or um, yeah of course some I, job I, I can had. recall it it wasn't that long ago um, and my first job was, <laughs> wasn't was as filthy as um, docking sheep but I worked at Briscoe's um, started as a cashier and then a supervisor and then worked my way up into the storeroom got my forklift license oh fantastic <laughs> That's a good nice, start. nice. Uh, another one here. Up to uh, up at five to pick a courgette, then on to asparagus and raspberry picking too. We built the city on rock and roll and sitting beneath the bushes uh, smoking at Smoko. Uh, also, bring back rail to the regions. Uh, a lot of response on this. Uh, stories of um, being on the southerner. Uh, Wallace uh, says, Fiona, investment in rail, a winner in every way. Tourists would love it and it would give a genuine option to driving. Heather says, my mum could catch the southerner in Invercargill and come to Dunedin for a visit home the same day when cancel it put mum back on the road. A danger to all drivers. Sorry, mum, just in brackets. Um, What do you think, Sally? Well, I wanted to ask you, Wallace, what was one of your first after-school jobs? Uh, my first, well, my first after-school job I mentioned the other day, it was actually, well, I, I raspberry picked in Brighton. But my first after-school job was uh, my dad saying, you get down there and get yourself a job. I said, Dad, I'm 13, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he said, that's right, get a job. <laughs> um, there's a new restaurant opening. So I went down to Jade Palace Restaurant in Trafalgar Street in Nelson, and I knock on the door, ask for a job, and Patrick Chung, wonderful man, said, when can you start? Can you start this afternoon? I said, it's too early. And he goes, well, when? And Dad said, get down there, start straight away. So that was the start of a four-year journey working uh, at a Chinese restaurant. And what did you do in there? Washed the dishes, and I worked um, my way into kitchen handing, and I was the one that made the wontons. Ooh. Yeah, so for years, and I just loved every minute of it. Um, so there was that. Also, to financial literacy in schools, we discussed that. And Kate said, here's a long one, but it's worth, uh, worth reading out. I am a secondary teacher and I just had to contribute. I used to teach a level two financial literacy course worth about 15 credits. It ran for half a year. The students said it was great and that it taught them things they never knew. And yet NZQA axed the unit standards. So my course dissolved and students went back to financial ignorance. 
Kate's opinion. Unless someone attaches credits to the work, it will not be taught in schools. My course taught budgeting, decision matrices, higher purchase and other gems. It was all workbook based and the students loved it. It's all very well saying that schools should be teaching this and that, but within the current NCEA credit-mongering mentality of both students and teachers, it won't happen without putting some credits behind the skills, which is interesting. That is interesting. So is it up to the schools to actually put it in, or is there just a straight curriculum? Are there different options they can get creative with? Well, I think that's part of the case, but this is the new, uh, I think that both uh, Labour and National, they want to introduce more financial literacy, don't they, in schools. By the way, that was Kate. What do you think, Andy? Can you recall where or when you learned any financial literacy? Maybe it might have been from your mum or dad, the piggy bank, yeah, in, um, in high school I did uh, economics in year 10, which is the, the second year of high school. Um, and I found that really valuable. And um, like we would have market days where we ran our own small businesses and um, just sort of learning how to handle money, put in profit. Um, and then again, even, even in the retail job, um, you, you learn some great skills there. But I'd be more keen for um, civics to be taught in school, actually, just to keep people uh teach teach kids to be engaged in the public service and in politics a, a bit more um as as maybe as well as uh, financial literacy so what do you reckon Sally civics i totally agree with and um financial literacy definitely i failed miserably at school <laughs> um i didn't even do school c maths and my daughter found my old school report and discovered I'd got 18%. And that's my biggest failure, is not being able to use numbers. And when I run out of fingers, I'm in a bad space. Okay. So, yes, I'm the wrong person to advise anyone on that. But yeah. in hindsight, I think if there'd been a more simple, practical way to learn maths, then maybe I would have nice. done a bit better. And to this, finally, um, the song Fat Bottomed Girls to be banned off the new Queen compilation uh, to cater to a new generation. They're saying uh, that it's not right tonally for a new compilation. Susie says, uh, Susie's words, as an old Sheila who grew up in the 70s and an ardent feminist and having a low centre of gravity, I've always enjoyed a good boogie to fat-bottomed girls, lighten up. What do you think, Andy? Absolute tune, like, keep keep it going. But they say it's for um, to cater to younger listeners, but I doubt that younger people are buying CDs in the first place now. Everything's on, on Spotify and YouTube, and you can access any song you want within seconds. No one's going out to buy a CD. <laughs> Okay, but so I you're think... saying who cares about the songs more about the platform, yeah. Sally? Oh, I, whatever the platform is, it is a wonderful song. And my goodness, if you look at the lyrics of, I'd say, 50% of the rap and all of these, I mean, there's sex and swear words and all sorts. I mean, once you start, where would you stop? I think that's just dumb. Okay, very good. Very good. Uh, we have Andy McCombs for the first time on the panel. We have Sally Wenley. Time for Rye been thinking. Look, because it's your very first time, uh, Andy, why don't you kick off? Oh, what an honour. Um, well, Wallace, I've been thinking it's time that we change our national anthem. Um, don't get me wrong, I love our country's original power ballad, but it's not all that <laughs> representative of our diverse population. Um, I'd suggest a, 
a Kiwi anthem like Poirier or Loyal by Dave Dobbin, or um, based on how this election's looking to shape out, maybe We Don't Know How Lucky We Are by Fred Dagg. Well, hold that thought. Let's have a little snippet to remind us. Here we go. <laughs> we don't know how lucky we are in this country. We don't know how lucky we are. We don't know how lucky we are. Well... That's not a very good suggestion, is it, Sally? I think that it's could, that fabulous. Could, that would never work. <laughs> and everybody should have to wear gumboots during the national anthem as it's well. It's first time on the panel and you suggest that for a national anthem. Oh, <laughs> you're my, you're my new it? friend, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Sally. <laughs> okay, um, what do you think of Andy's uh, suggestion uh, to change the national anthem to something like, actually, Poirier, uh, or indeed we don't know how lucky we, we are. We really don't. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, Andy's saying, look, what we have right now is just a dirge. Very good, Andy. I've been thinking Sally Winley. I've been thinking about goats. Now, traditionally, goats are known as these funny creatures with horns who, if they escape, they get you washing off the line or they bunt small children. But now goats are turning into a great export option and there is the opportunity for farmers to have goats on their farms in with the sheep because they allegedly don't use the clover. They go for the bush and the scrub. And there's an, a factory that's opened in Lower Hut and they're processing cashmere and it's very, very expensive. They'll get a good lot from shearing their goats. And did you know that there's it's a $2 billion international market for goat cashmere Yarn, and there are fashion houses in America. Um, at Stella McCartney in the UK, and in France, and they they can't get enough of this Hang goat on. cashmere. Why are we not talking about this more? Well, they've just opened this plant a couple of weeks ago in Lower Hutt, and they're encouraging farmers to be involved and in getting flocks together, and they can cross the wild goats with the purebred cashmere, and they will. of them give birth to a white cashmere goat, which means that their wool or pelt will be good quality. And so goats are fantastic for that. And also, I think goats are marvellous. There are many milking farms around now. Goat's milk, another international export success. Baby um, formula, milk, beauty products, and also the meat. Now, Wallace, I understand that you like a bit of goat meat, so I'm just lifting up a bag here. And in it, I've got, oh. I've got something wrapped in newspaper. I'd You're like you just joking. to, I'd like you to unwrap it. You don't know how lucky we are. I have <laughs> just been given from Sally Wenley, whoa, a big lump of goat. It is a, a goat leg hind and lovely bit of meat. It is frozen, and that will make a wonderful slow roast. Or a wonderful curry, and I hear that that you enjoy that sort of curry. I don't deserve this job. I get gherkins, I get pickles, I get lip balm, and now goat. Honestly, Andy. <laughs> uh, by the way, <laughs> by the way, they're loving your song, Andy McCombs. Of course they are. Wonderful to have you on the panel on Friday. Power Ballad Friday.